and death shall have no dominion. It's good to be here again. Brandon did such an outstanding job this morning. And I presume he's on the road and probably arrived back in the city. Here we are. First John, the lion in winter. Amos 3.8, the lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord Jehovah hath spoken, who cannot but prophesy? The lion has always been a, a symbol of strength. And that's the way we'll look at it here tonight. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked fleeth when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. 2 Samuel 17 and verse 10, to have a heart as of the heart of a lion. It has to mean something. In the Christian heritage, we esteem the heart of a lion. We live in times when the, uh, I speak to you gentlemen now, in a time when masculinity is being challenged. That's not good, that's not right. Read the Bible. See, I'm all for femininity, masculinity, but in the beginning he made them male and female. We live in times where we need to recover the strength of character, not not just the ability to be bullheaded, but the ability to have character and will. Head, heart, feelings, cognition, affective, and volitional, to be able to make decisions and lead your family. Our, our young people need to have the resilience to be men and to be women. Are you with me? Does this make sense to you? I hope it makes sense because we have lost this socially, and in the current social milieu, we can recover this only by a biblical worldview. And so tonight, for a little while, the young lions, our younger people, are studying. Now, I'm all for Brandon and Bryce studying, devoting themselves full time. But you know what? Each one of us are studying for the ministry. If you're not, you ought to be. And that's why we're here tonight. The lion in winter. One of the dominant themes of the Bible. Did you do that or did I? <laughs> okay. uh, one of us did, I'm sure of it. One of the dominant themes in First John, you say, Bob, after the lesson is over, what shall I have taken away? And that is uh, the idea that we may participate in the life. And I'll be talking about that very thing here tonight. Now, I'm all for light and love and life, and that's uh, uh, years ago I learned it through W.E. Vine. And uh, are you doing it for me? I appreciate that. I don't know if I, maybe I need a battery, huh? Or I'm all fogged up. But uh, W.E. Vine was one of the first to, to lay this out for me. But in the Christian heritage tonight, um, there's a piece in C.S. Lewis. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. 
and uh, in our heritage. He'll put all to rights, as it says in an old rhyme in these parts. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight at the sound of his roar. Sorrows will be no more when he bears his teeth. Winter meets its death, and when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Oh, to have spring again. How, how, how foggy and, and icy and rainy it was the other day. And then the sun came out and that was beautiful. But in the Christian heritage, the Lion of Judah is portrayed. And I take you now, in order to get the most out of the message here, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Has conquered. Thank you, sir. Thank you, deacon. And this is a premise. And if you've never heard the grammar about, about the word conquered there, it's a, what we call an heiress. And it, it, it's not a process. He's not in the process of conquering. He has already conquered. It's President Dick Tavares. He's already done it and taken the victory. And that is from the verb nikao, victory. And we buy shoes named Nike, named after the Greek victory. And uh, that's very important, but it's never in isolation. Look with me in Re- Revelation 3.1. See, 5.5, five, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that's Jesus. Look with me in 3.1. It's never in isolation, but always in conjunction with the people of God. And for the people of God, you may participate in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. Um, and it, lo- it reads like this, the one who conquers, same word. See, through Jesus you may conquer. Apart from him you will not. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear. And so it's always in conjunction. Christ is conqueror. And uh, let's move on here. I'm going to give you the abbreviated version tonight and then release you. The Lion in Winter, Peter O'Toole, Catherine Hepper, 1968, historical drama. And it's set against all of the political and personal turmoil in England in 1183. And... uh, Not that we have any turmoil in Texas or the Washington, D.C., but it may be that this is apropos the lion in winter. And he's aging. The king is aging. And John is aging. And we're all getting older. And the question is, how do we proceed? Well, if you like musicals, you may like it. And if you don't, uh, I encourage you not to watch it. But I'm sharing with you the concept of the lion tonight in winter. And of Jesus. Let's go to the next slide here. Thank you. And God is light, chapter 1 and 2. And then in chapter 3, 5 through chapter 5, God is love. Well, why did he talk about light? Why did he talk about love? And uh, God is life. And that's the fifth chapter in First John. Well, these are the content of First John. You say, what is First John about? Well, light and love and life. Yeah, I I get that. And that would be age-appropriate for Marla to teach her kids about that. 
But why does he say what he says here? It's so beautiful, the backdrop of 1 John. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Now, it's always relevant. It couldn't be more relevant in our society. The word I'm hearing anymore is woke and uber-woke. Uber, over, super, super pollo, uber. So let's go to the next slide, and let's go right into the preface of 1 John here. See, I only have time tonight to get the preface, and we're going to get it right now. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. John, what are you talking about in this, in this letter of yours? Concerning the word of life. See, that's subject matter. And that would be important. We read verse 2. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Three, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, there's the preface to John here. So why are you doing this? We're proclaiming that you may have a share in this. You may participate. The word fellowship there in your version may be uh, communion or from the word koinonia. The commonality. Uh, the common things we may share and participate and be involved. Through the years, I've seen many people in the Lord's Church overachievers, working in the kitchen, working in, in, in the parking lot, working in the basement. Uh, I have so many stories. And then some don't do anything. They're not participating. Well, that's where they are. May God bless them to go to the next level. The first John 1, 1 through 4, the preface, um, is always about participating. The life of non-participation is not the Christian life. Look with me in 2.13. 2.13. See, we don't need to run to, run to Ephesians or Philippians. You stay in the book. You stay in the context. Look, look with me in 2.13. I am writing to you, fathers. Because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. It is possible to overcome and share in the lion of the tribe of Judah. Look in 4.4. Look with me in 4.4, please. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You've overcome how beautiful is that? It's possible to participate. Next slide, please. The takeaway from the preface here, number one, it is the preface. And the preface tells us what the letter is all about. Why? What's going on in First John? Well, he told you in the first two verses, it's about the life. <clears throat> I used to think it was about light and love and, and life, and it is. But it's about the life, and then the life may be lived out in your life and you participate in the life of the word of life. That's what's going on here. And that's how he begins. And now watch, that's how he ends. Watch in 
5.11.12. He'll stay with this theme and ride it out all the way. Here we are in 5.11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. See, I told you, that's in the preface. Life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So you can't say, well, I'll just show up now and then. You're either in or you're out. And uh, uh, that's what Campbell has on his headstone. I was there, Bethany, West Virginia, by the way. Look with me in 37. 3-7, little children. Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. See, some aren't ready to make the decision just yet. We pray God gives them time to make the decision. <clears throat> the operative word is practice. Participate. Practice. What do you mean participate? Practice. Practice the faith. Look with me in 310. Same idea. 310. By this is it, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Say, well, who's a child of God? The one who practices. Say, well, I'm not into the practice. Well, you, you can be if you want to be. Get into the practice. Participate. Belong. Energize. Work it out. With, uh, that's, so the preface is the preface, the subject is the life, one, two. The we represents, back to the preface here, the original witnesses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And um, he said, you know, we, we ate with him. We touched him. We saw him with our eyes. We heard him with our ears. Now that's uh, empirical testimony. That's Missouri thinking. The show me state. Show me. He's not just a philosophy or a doctrine or an apparition. <coughs> he came, and that's a mouthful. He came. He was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on in the world, believed, and received up in glory. First Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen. Number four, the you are all who participate in it. He said, make our joy complete. We may, in the cosmos, there's a joy available for those who will participate. Some of the most um, mundane and unhappy people in all the world are Christians who, who are just in it for the loop, a little loop, but they're not in it. And uh, it's no place to be. It's, it's, it's not a happy place. Your joy is dependent upon your investment. Next slide, please. So the background of 1 John may be uh, considered in lieu of uh, um, the false teachers. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? It has a lot to do with everything. Look with me in 2.18 and 19, 2.18. I feel a little foggy tonight. Are you sensing the fog? Okay. Now, that was unnecessary. <laughs> 2.18.
children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So there were those who were with the elder John here and those who were detractors of John and the apostolic teaching. We know this. Four, chapter 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. He'll go on to elaborate. So quickly, I don't have time. I could have expanded this little deal here uh, to include the Nestorians and others, but here we go. Uh, The Ebonites, after Ebion, uh, denied the deity of Christ, the word of life. Yeah, he's not God. The Docetists, another group, Gnostic group, we refer to them, from the verb dokeo, to seem or appear, they said, ah, oh, Jesus only appeared. He was like a ghost-like apparition. He, he, it only appeared that he was a human. He, he, was, he was a phantom, the docetics. The Serinthians, after the individual historical personage, Serinthus, uh, Serinthus denied the union of God and man. There cannot be the possibility, and we call it the incarnation, by the way, that that Christ Jesus has come in the flesh. He was manifested, Paul said. Well, Serinthus denied that, and his followers denied it. Byron said, if ever God was man and man was God, Jesus Christ was both. And so that's the backdrop against which it's all said here. But the times, they are changing. So you say, well, these are just first century, second century on Gnostic problems. No, they're problems today. See, I'm thinking of people in my mind. It used to be Jesus was even uh, uh, saying, yeah, he's a good man. That's no longer being touted. He's a fraud. That's the new line. He's a fraud. He is not God come in the flesh. The old Gnostic heresies are back among us, living in your neighborhood, right down the road from you. So that's why First John is so important here. And um, why it's important. So the Gnostics derive their name from the word gnosis, knowledge. And Paul, uh, uh, John here, he will say, get yourself epi-gnosis. Not just knowledge, so you're like brainy, but full knowledge. Epi means upon. Not just gnosis, but epi-gnosis It's full knowledge, lived out. And that's why John is saying, you have to practice it. You believe it intellectually, but you have to bring it into the domain of one's living. And that would be important. Next. So I found this verse many years ago. And it's in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And I won't linger long, but let me say tonight that lions do fall. Thank God they fall. 
So while there are those who are saying Jesus is not God, and then others saying he is not man, and then others saying there's no way that he could be God and or man, lions do fall. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabziel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion. That's what we're talking about tonight, right? A lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. Yes, lions do fall. There's blood in the snow. There's red in the white. And I cannot but help think of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. And that bloody snow reminds us that lions do fall, but the lion of the tribe of Judah, when he fell, he crushed the serpent. He crushed the head. There's blood in the snow, and that blood refers to the atoning sacrifice. That's Romans. We'll talk about that next week. And uh, thank God that the lion fell. He gave up his life that we might participate in the drama. Let's go to the final take-home for the evening. This will be your uh, opportunity to maybe internalize this just a little bit more here. Take-home. Number one, First John theme, one may participate in the life. See, not, not just kind of uh, uh, dangle it around, but, but let's embrace it. Let's make it ours. Let's internalize it. There, there's kind of a psych word. Internalize it. Make it your own. Number two, knowledge must be supported with full knowledge. Not just gnosis, but epinosis. Number three, this view of the cosmos is joy-bringing. But if you don't want to have joy, that's your uh, prerogative. As for me and mine, I, I know that joy comes at a premium. May you find joy this time of year. Certainly potentially available. We all go through times and wane the lion in winter. But there's something here for each one of you. And in the fourth place tonight, the word of life is once again being opposed. And we're in the middle and called to support it. I would like to close tonight this way. Um, his name was Carl Barth. I suppose you don't necessarily recognize it. Carl Barth, 1930s in Germany. He and all of his associate ministers were meeting. And Hitler and said, you have to sign off on an oath of loyalty. And the loyalty oath said that you have to be faithful to Hitler and the government. And Carl Barth made the remark here, we have different beliefs, different spirits, and a different God. At some point, you'll need to stand up and say, I'm not in with the rabble. I'm in with the minority called Christians, those who practice the faith. And that's the lion in winter. Don't sign off to a secular document. Don't sign off. Sign on with God. If you're not a member of the Lord's Church, you would like to be added to the body, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that uh, we're all baptized in one spirit, into one body. You've never done that. 
It's high time. Brandon laid it out this morning beautifully. And there's blood in the snow. May this winter be an enriching season for you. If there's one subject tonight as I am, and you are, let's all stand and sing it right now. Jesus, I love thee, I know.